what's changed or what's morphed is, you know, the the EMR is really the practice operating system now in a sense. I mean, yeah. if you have the right tool, a lot of stuff is happening in there. You know, you've got patient portals giving patients ways to do things with your practice to pay bills or book appointments. You've got patients registering online. Then you have marketing efforts being driven off your EMR. You have actual analytics coming off of the EMR that are financial and otherwise to help you track, you know, where am I getting my patients from? Where am I making my money? Is it time to hire the next person? Is it is it time to hold back on hiring the next person? Even um, location analytics, like where are my patients coming from? Should I open another location three towns over? So it's it's really morphed into, you know, a whole lot more obviously than just documentation. All right, so uh, we want to grow our business. We want to grow our practice. You work with an EMR, which feels like a tool, which feels like a thing, right? Yeah. But it's got to be run by people, and it's being used for patients who are people, and it's being used by well, not you know, lots of people in your practice. It's used to attract people. So, I mean, your EMR isn't really what you sell. You sell the ability to leverage people. At MW Therapy, right? It's like you're giving them, you're giving, you're, you're giving people people power. People people power. Yeah, we're we're helping people leverage skills and time. Yeah. And um, yes, we are an EMR exclusively for for people. So it's a, yeah. it's a perfect. Sharif, welcome back to the show, my man. Hey, Jimmy, good to see you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. As always, there, I appreciate it. There's like a radio intro, like, hey, we're welcome back, and we're at the bottom of the third <laughs> inning. Uh, you know, scored not at two. <laughs> As we record, it's the All Star break right now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would I would love to uh, call a game. If you have any connections, you can get me in. I'll give it a give it a whack. I will uh, I will let you know. Did he, and I learned a piece of trivia the other day of the major professional sports because they stretch out and there's so many games, right? And the seasons overlap, right? The day before and the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star game are the only two days of, a, of the year where no professional sports are scheduled because they're off days in baseball. And you got to figure baseball is 162 games, right? Spanning months. That's covered. And then you've got football. You've got you got ice hockey. You got you have basketball. That covers the rest of the, of the year. I think they were also including like collegiate sports and like major collegiate sports, college football, college basketball. But well, when you look at it, the only two days of a year right now, ESPN has got nothing to talk about but the All Star Game coming up the day before, the day after. That's the only two days. I did not know that. If I, I, I'm prime now for a trivia, I could win just you with this knowledge. And the reason they call <laughs> it trivia is because it's quite trivial. The only place you can use it is actually trivia. Very good. Good point. Yeah. All right. Well, well, to set it up for for the All Star Game, um, you know what's old is new again. Uh, I get excited for the second half of the baseball season, right? Because now it's like, all right, now we see where the teams are shaking out, right? 162 games is a long way, but you're like, we're halfway there. You know, in terms of uh, in terms of what you do for MW therapy, we're talking about EMRs. Things are pendulums; they're not circles. Trends hold on to those bell bottoms from the '60s. They come back, Absolutely. then they'll go away, then they'll come back, yeah. right? Yeah. So if I throw that idea out to you, what's old is new again in terms of an EMR or in terms of PT practice. What are some of the things that are starting to swing their way back? Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good theme for our conversation. I would say, um, you know, a lot of PT practices out there are, you know, somewhere around the ten year mark of EMR, give or take, right? There were some early adopters, and you know, oh eight, oh nine, ten. You know, that's that's sort of a time where where some people were on the leading edge of the curve, really getting into EMR in the PT space. 
then, uh, you know, but for many, it was like the 2010, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. So give or take, many practices are hitting that sort of 10 years of having EMR, getting away from paper. It seems like a long time. And at the same time, it seems like a short yeah. amount of time. Well, I bet you like a, a, a yeah. decent chunk of the inner, uh, of the audience is probably like, what do you mean before EMR? What, what are you talking <laughs> right. about? Right, right. Been. Right. Believe it or not, we we were not, you know, writing on stone tablets in 2007. <laughs> it was it was paper, but it was still something else. So what's old is new again is that many practices are, you know, out there looking for their next EMR. Uh, been with whatever they have for a while. And uh, like anything else, probably some pros and some cons, but uh, looking for take the next step, right? Whatever that might be, trying to maybe solve some some hindrances or some hassles that have been faced, or maybe just seeking more features or just pivoting as the practices say grown or changed or added specialties, added staff, added locations, any one of these sort of business uh, type uh, things that happen that drive a conversation about systems. And, you know, so what's old is new again is, you know, looking for an EMR, but what's new is new again too, in that, you know, the whole landscape has changed, right? A lot of maturity now in the space. PT, um, you know, we, we were amongst the first to sort of bring a PT specific EMR out there. So now, um, you know, th there are choices, there are different systems out there that you can look at and um, lots of opportunity to, to sort of stay in the rehab space and, and maybe get something that, uh, that maybe works a little bit better, maybe saves you a little bit of money, you know, different things that, you know, are valuable and important to a practice. Well, it's money, right? I mean, this is this is this is a business expense. You 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 it can is. always see it. Like, I, I I bet you the minute, you know, uh, clinics were starting to change over. Wow, it was revolutionary, right? It was like, oh my gosh, this cut this cut down time and effort and brain power. And then after a year, you sort of get used to it, right? And like that's that time savings and that effort savings, you forget how much it actually does. Um, but the other thing is with all the different features that now go into it, it was like, Hey man, my flip phone, when my flip phone came out in about, you know, the first iPhone was like 2007, 2008. Right. Exactly. Around, yeah. around the same time. Right. When, when that came out, it had like, remember the snake app, the game, the snake, you just try to like move, you just try to like eat the apple and make the snake longer. hundred percent. It sent text messages. Yeah. It, it did yeah. phone calls. Maybe it sent an email. But as it grew, we started using these ideas called apps. Same with EMRs. More and more things started to go into them. And it wasn't just an EMR. It wasn't just replacing paper. Now this was a tool and the tool could get more powerful because of the platform it was built on, right? So what are some of the things that, I mean, it feels like a history lesson, right? In the last 10 years that were not in version 1.0, they weren't there in the flip phone uh, EMR in the beginning that are there now that we couldn't even imagine not being there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the 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 revolution at that time, and that day was was really the 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 medical record itself. I mean, we use the term EMR sort of generically, right, for a practice management system and encompasses all these different pieces today. But back then, EMR really meant medical record. It really meant writing a note on a computer. It meant uh, enjoying some of the benefits from a compliance and efficiency standpoint. But what's changed or what's morphed is, you know, the, the EMR is really the practice operating system now in a sense. I mean, yeah. if you have the right tool, a lot of stuff is happening in there. You know, you've got patient portals, giving patients ways to do things with your practice, to pay bills or book appointments. You've got patients registering online. Then you have marketing efforts being driven off your EMR. You have actual analytics coming off of the EMR that are financial and otherwise to help you track, you know, where am I getting my patients from? Where am I making my money? Is it time to hire the next person? Is it is it time to hold back on hiring the next person? 
even um, location analytics, like where are my patients coming from? Should I open another location three towns over? So it's it's really morphed into, you know, a whole lot more obviously than just documentation. And, you know, honestly, some practices are uh, once again on the cutting edge of sort of that next 10 years of, okay, push this system to its limits in terms of what it can bring to your practice in terms of value. And others, you know, are still working to implement some other things and every practice needs to do what's right for it, understandably. Um, but there's just so much you can do. And it, it really is um, something where, you know, even if you just wake up one morning and try a new feature, you can, you can really, again, same, same story, save some money or save some time, but just in a new way, uh, doing new things. What are some things you're going to see in the next couple of years? Um, I mean, I don't think people could have even wrapped their head around letting patients self-schedule two, three years ago. It's like, that'd be too hard. How would we do that? And now it's like, you have to do that. So what's, yeah. what's coming in, in the next couple of years, like that spaces that you guys are looking to skate to? Yeah. Well, I think you've hit one right on the nail on the head. Patient self-service is, is sort of a very forward facing uh, type thing. You know, you still get some practices that, that have some heartburn about letting patients book. And what does that mean for our schedule? They've been clutching onto the schedule book for a long time, right. but, um, it's just an expectation thing. You know, patients are, they're on Amazon, you know, getting something tomorrow or even later today, then they want to bounce over to your website and do business with your practice. And, uh, if you're not kind of there with it and somebody else is that, that can bode, you know, poorly for you or, or well for somebody else. So I think patient facing is big. Second one is um, marketing is, is another huge area where I, I think you're going to see continuous effort. Uh, driving patient pipeline is, you know, it's hard. It, it takes effort. There have been some historically successful things, you know, running with your referral partners and keeping those relationships. But th there's just, again, there's a lot more. And some of that also needs to be patient facing. You know, patients want to go see a nice website. They want to be able to see something they can do 24-7. They want to see that your tech forward, your HEPs look nice, things along those lines. And then, of course, the other big one is AI, right, which everybody talks about. That. Yeah. Yeah. That. And maybe people know what it is or they don't. Um, I think it's a really interesting um, opportunity and both an opportunity and challenge for healthcare in general and for PT, too. I mean, I think everybody dreams of, you know, the Jetsons where the computer writes the note for you and it takes care of everything. I think reality will be a little bit different than that, but finding ways to leverage AI and honestly, to leverage it in a HIPAA compliant fashion is probably one of the biggest challenges that's unique to healthcare. Other industries can just rip into new technologies, security concerns don't matter. Obviously a little different. We, we can't have patient information all over the place and, and being read off by AI systems that then have no obligation to keep that data secure. But it also offers, again, tremendous promise, um, you know, in terms of everything from uh, diagnostics to the actual documentation to just integrating into the different pieces. Uh, I mean, almost at this point, everybody's seen AI somewhere in the last year. If you haven't, you're probably living under a stone. So I think those are three kind of areas where, you know, the next 10 years are going to be interesting. Um, and, and we're going to see kind of where, where we can go. I, I, there was one area that I think, I mean, this happens, right? There was one area that was big in being discussed when I was a student. This is like back in, you know, like 2014, 2015, 2016. The idea was like big data, right? And you put all your information in one thing. Now we're putting all the information in this EMR. I, I think now we're able, people are getting savvy. Organizations like MW Therapy are getting savvy. It's like, we have all this information. It's still coming in. You have artificial intelligence on one side, 
But this is data. This is information, not about a profession, not about an industry. This is about you, your clinics, your patients, your clinicians, your business. And I think people are getting more comfortable demanding or looking for, what can I do with this information now? This is why you have the marketing automations. You're like, okay, we have their contact information. We can make it easy so you can structure an email campaign or a text message to go out certain times to make sure people get information. That wasn't possible 10 years ago. It might have been possible five years ago, but it was real hard. And now it's like it needs to be there. No, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there are large data stores that offer very valid, valuable um, information and, and information, you know, as differentiated from data. Data is just your pile, your spreadsheet, you know, information is what you can draw out of it and actually use. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, there are simple ends of the spectrum of examples, you know, leveraging referral data and patient data. And then there's high, higher end things about, you know, how do you drive different patient outcomes and what can you demonstrate as a value of your practice, say, versus your competitors as proven out by data and analytics and information that you can draw. And then, um, yeah, AI really thrives on data. I mean, obviously, the, the most immediate players with AI are those that have the largest amount of data, your Facebooks, et cetera. They have enough data to, to keep it, keep them busy for some years. Um, but it, you know, the same thing applies on a lower scale. And, and the nice thing about technology is obviously as time goes on, you're able to bring the technology down into different systems and make use of it at a price that, you know, is acceptable and, and does deliver value. So PT is no different. And I, I definitely think, you know, uh, you're going to be hearing a lot about it. It just will be interesting to, to see exactly what twists and turns it takes and what the uptake is uh, in terms of interest from practices. You, you mentioned either, uh, you know, most of the profession is on an EMR. Now they're sort of like, I've been driving this Toyota Tercel from, you know, from 2013 for 10 years. And you know, maybe I want to kick the tires on a new one. And they're yeah. going to be really, people are going to be really picky because moving over to something different is effort and time and, and effort and time or money. Sure. What are some of the things that people who've maybe been driving this Toyota Tercel for 10 years, who look at something like MW therapy and go, Ooh, didn't think about that. What are the things that like, you know, what are some of the features, the buttons, the, yeah. I didn't realize you could Bluetooth your phone, right? That was a big yeah. deal 10 yeah. years, you know, a couple of years ago. Now it's, yeah. it's got to be there. But what are some of the things that maybe people are pick, switching over from an older yeah, model yeah. that are like, ooh, that would be great. Well, we'll throw in a free cassette adapter for your iPod. If you Remember sign up. those? So, and, uh, yeah, it's like Google cassette adapter is what I want. Yeah, you to it's the best. Well, I would say um, first broadly, I would say, Jimmy, that what's interesting is that there's a, a big recognition now that whatever system you get actually has to work for all constituencies in the practice. And I think that was different from 10 years ago. It was mostly the clinicians driving the bus, like this is the one that we like. But now there's a recognition by owners and managers that the system has to work for clinicians. It also has to work for front desk. It also has to work for billers. It also has to work for patients. And that didn't definitely, the last one didn't yeah, exist 10 there. years ago because the patients didn't know anything about the system. So the the oohs and the ahs on the system today that we get are number one is definitely um, our patient portal you know people are just everybody's having staffing challenges i think there isn't a state we've talked to a client in a state we've talked to that hasn't sort of echoed the same thing hey I, i'm really struggling to get somebody or i can't get them anybody to stay because they're just you know it's hard uh, with salary expectations and all the other pressures so the the, the tie back is that you know, portal is a win-win. It, it it actually offloads work to the patient, and so you, right. you're giving, and they're happy to take it. And that's the win-win is that they actually well, want the work. So well, because they get something work. in return. Like I, I don't they want do. work, but but if you give me control, 
and flexibility, those things are valuable to me. 100%. So portal is, is probably the, the, you know, a big one. The second one is definitely automations. You know, I kind of consider this a, a subset of AI is like, you know, things that you used to do that the system can do for you. So 10 yes. years ago, you know, all sorts of things that can be kind of um, boxed up and say, okay, system, you do this for me. I don't, I don't want to go ahead and click these buttons anymore. And, you know, a very basic example today would be reminders. Um, you know, many clients were doing those, but we've actually moved on. Like, this is a great example. Version 1.0 was reminders. You know, it was novel to send a text message to a patient 10 years ago. It's not a big deal anymore. But what's new now is uh, having the patient self-confirm that they will attend their visit. So they get that message, they tap, I'll be there. And now we're, because like anything else, after a while, like you said, everything gets into the noise. So Absolutely. I get a million text messages a day. Okay, fine. But now when I'm expected to tap and confirm I'll be there, okay, now we're getting back into that 98% arrival rate that we, we all desperately want to avoid that, that downtime or wasted time. Right. So there are just so many nooks. So I, I would say portal, I would say a lot of our automations are big. Marketing, as I mentioned, is also big. We've got some nice offerings on that. And then um, the last piece is, is definitely reporting, as you mentioned. Um, I've been at this for a while and the level of sort of um, attention to analytics has grown exponentially. I think 10 years ago, it was very basic stuff, like give me the number of visits and you know right. what were my cancels? Because that even that was hard coming off of a paper book. Then that was novel, like you said. Now it's, it's into much more intensive thing. I wanna talk about reimbursements per code, per insurance. I wanna really hone down on my outcomes. I really wanna uh, tailor down on you know, uh, patient conversions, you know, if I'm getting a referral, but they don't end up coming here, why does that happen? Or what actually gets them to, to convert into a patient? And then what gets them to stay for their treatment course, uh, which is a big challenge, I think, is, is getting people to stay for, say, let's say it's an eight visit treatment course, typically seven visits, something like that. How do we make sure the patient doesn't fall off after four, which kills our revenue and also typically probably isn't a good outcome for the patient clinically? what are what are the technology tools we have to keep those those ill things from happening or just keep good things happening at, at higher volume and lastly you have to do all this stuff now at scale right, right. You, you can't do it like can't be manual because if you're counting on somebody to call jimmy every week and keep him motivated maybe they can do it for a week or two and then you'll find that it's very hard so it has to kind of go and and on its own and be set it and forget it type thing yeah, data is really great. Ones and zeros are nice. Can you give it to me in a, in a format that I can understand yeah. it? Can you give it to me in a format that I can do something with it? Actionable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And that, that becomes a tool. Now you're not working for the EMR. You're not working for the tool. The tool is working for you. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think, it, again, I, I think when I mean, we're excited, right, for the next 10 years, because we, we hope to be right there in the, in the front of it. But I think practices are really is espousing the value. I think you've got um, newer owners, right? That some some folks that are really into technology and kind of are interested in seeing what it can do for their practice and pushing the, their, their staff and team along to bringing them along, making sure that they're on board with the decisions, but at the same time saying, this is what we're gonna do. We're really gonna invest in the implementation of this system. And I always tell people that I talk to, you know, a system and an implementation are not the same thing. I mean, you, you can buy a Maserati tomorrow does not necessarily mean you will be a better driver. In fact, no. you probably will crash it if you don't learn or don't right. invest some time. 
So any system is like that. You know, you get a good system, you have to have something good, but you also need to invest in the implementation, which means your time with your team, yeah. your time with yourself, your time with your workflow and your process, and how do you really leverage the tool so um, that you don't just have something where you're using 5% of it and you're not realizing all these other things that it can or should be doing for you. Yeah, that's well said. People ask me that all the time, you know, specifically about communications tools. And I'll say, listen, like, you don't need this tool because you're not going to, you don't need this plane because then you're going to need to learn, you're going to pilot school to fly it. Or, but I know you get, I know it feels good that you solved the problem because you run, you, you swiped your credit card and you're like, I solved the problem. I bought the program or I got it. It's like this, you need to be able to use this. This needs to be something that you, as you mentioned, run in a process or else it's going to be one more thing on the pile. So really kick the tires. Something that's, that's happened the last couple of years that you've got to have your finger on the pulse is more and more clinicians opening private practices or going out on their own, which means more and more individuals are getting to have their preference of what EMR they do, but they have to solve a problem that maybe either an organization they used to work for would, would just solve. And now they've got, they've got to be a really smart consumer. Um, are you having more of those conversations in the last couple of years? Because it feels like if you read Twitter, you listen to people, more and more people are starting businesses, PT specific, I mean. Yeah. Well, I, 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 we've been uh, really fortunate to to work with a lot of startups over the years, and we're proud to, you know, at, at times, you know, start off with one person. It's Jimmy's PT practice, and in three years, it's ten PTs spanning two or three locations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we have seen um, COVID was kind of obviously an interesting time. We saw a huge uptick in uh, in the home type clinics uh, right. for about a year. I will say that's that probably honestly tapered off a little bit uh, naturally as you might expect as the pandemic sort of wore on and then eventually sort of burned out um but yeah people are interested obviously everybody you know the, the allure of running your own business is very high and and having a practice and sort of being able to put your own stamp on it um, they are looking for systems for sure um it's also uh created i think more competitive environment in some spaces i mean it, places with lots of people tend to attract more businesses. So metro areas and so forth would, would be places that we see a lot of startups. And I think the best advice, you know, for a startup is really just trying to understand the full landscape of the pieces you need to run a practice. Um, we probably could do a whole podcast about this, but billing is a black box for a lot of people. They, they don't quite understand if, if, like you said, they worked for a practice where there was a biller and there were all these people and somehow it just didn't matter. <laughs> you know, the, I write my note, a note and from there, something, happens. Like I got, I, some, some, something happened somewhere by someone and I got paid a, a salary, so it's fine. I think that's the toughest part for people sometimes to wrap their head around is what do you really actually need to run a practice? Credentialing can be challenging, but that's more of a one-time, you know, typically you get credentialed and you're good. but the ongoing about what does it mean if I want to do my own billing and do I, can I actually do that and be successful? And we've seen it all. I mean, I've seen practices where uh, they, they, you know, had excellent clinical and et cetera, and, and unfortunately sort of fell down on some of the operational aspects, but, you know, weren't able to get reimbursed for claims and that can really hurt and it hinders the growth of the business. And, um, and, and so I think getting your head around that's important. And then uh, for startups, just, you know, where are you going to get your patients from is probably the other big question. And I think everybody sometimes thinks, well, I have some patients maybe that will come with me or something, but you, you actually need a pipeline, you need a consistent pipeline to have a business. Yeah. 
you can't just rely on one thing or a few things. So to answer your question, absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, always new practices starting, which is great. You know, we're, we're always happy to have those conversations and help a little bit understand some of those questions I mentioned. Uh, but it feeds into the competitiveness, I think, uh, between startups, existing practices, hospitals in some regions and areas trying to push into private practice and they'll open like a satellite outpatient practice and that can, because they want to take their surgery patients and just send them all to, you know, kind of keep them in the family, so to say. So there are the, all these different pressures, not just the reimbursement rates, which are obviously fodder for Twitter constantly, uh, as, as are many other things, but that's something you hear about all the time. Yeah. Um, you ready for your parting shot? I think so. I mean, I always try and guess what the question's going to be. I've never gotten it right before. So you catch me flat footed, but I'll try. Well, let's just do parting shot. What's, what's an idea or sentiment, like a pep talk almost that you'd give to people. We'll, we'll make it around the all-star break, right? So, Hey, listen, yeah. it's July, right? It's halfway through the baseball season, but it's kind of a little more than halfway through the year. Yeah. Uh, what pep talk or what thing would you have people focus on as they go into the back half of this year? Well, I think, I mean, we always say that summer, you know, sometimes is a little bit slower with patients because everybody's on vacation and it's a great time to assess your, your business, your systems, your workflows, your staffing, your carpet color. I mean, things that you don't have time to think about once Labor Day comes and goes, all the kids go back to school and then the schedule's full again. So we're, you know, we're always encouraging people like, hey, you know, of course, take your own vacation. Don't rob yourself of that. But uh, you know, take a week and really sit back and say, when was the last time I, I did uh, secret patient shopper? Or when was the last time I actually asked my front desk if, you know, if the EMR is even working for them or if they if they just, you know, are struggling or, or sort of silently unhappy about everything? And then make a change. If it's a small change, fine. If it's a big change, that's fine too. But do something, you know, improve the practice, improve the business. And a lot of obviously owners are treating, so they sometimes get tunnel vision with that. And I think summer gives a nice time to like you said, mid-season break to to assess and yeah. uh, zoom, change. zoom out and see what you haven't been working yeah. on when everything else was yeah. really busy. Totally. Uh, Sharif, where should people go to find out more about MW Therapy? Yeah, so thanks. MW, yeah, mwtherapy.com or at, uh, at mwtherapy on Twitter if you prefer. Um, if you want to just kick the tires on our system, we'd love to have you check it out and uh, we'd be helpful in any way that we can. You can check out our blog too. Perfect. Boom. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PT Pinecast.
podcast.com created by build pt build pt provides marketing services specifically for private practice pts from website development and hosting providing content marketing solutions for pt clinics across the country see what build pt can do for you today at buildpt.com the pt pinecast is a product of pt pinecast llc it is hosted and produced by pt pinecast ceo jim mckay and cbo sky donovan from marymount university we talk pt drink beer and record it this has been another pour from the pt pinecast the pt pinecast is intended for educational purposes only no clinical decision making should be based solely on one source while care is taken to ensure accuracy factual errors can be present more on the show at ptpinecast.com 